In this episode of The Interface, I once again speak with Adam Norwood, Amphenol's president and CEO, as we both work remotely from our home offices during the current COVID-19 outbreak. We talk about the state of Amphenol after a few months of our work and personal lives changing so dramatically. We talk about the continued lessons learned from our Chinese facilities as we progress in both Europe and North America, and how that head start has been invaluable. We also talk about the use of new tools and how they've likely changed the way we work for years to come. And we talk about the importance of remaining vigilant and disciplined at a critical time when complacency is a growing threat. This is The Interface. Let's see, it is Thursday, May 14th. And as you and I were just talking about, it's been about nine weeks since we've been doing this work at home situation, not in normal uh, work environment anymore at any of our factories at the corporate headquarters. Just from your standpoint, where do you see Amphenol and all the different things and all the hundred plus different divisions that we've been doing? What's your general feeling so far about how we've coped with this? Well, Chris, first and foremost, glad to see you again. And those on the podcast don't know, but I'm looking at you because we're using Zoom because we are all Zoom experts now. And uh, I hope your family continues to stay safe. And in particular, I know your your daughter Chelsea remains on the front lines as a nurse. And just uh, I, I can't express enough my appreciation for what she's doing and all those other family members around the corporation who are really on the front lines. You know, you, you learn actually a lot about the families of your team members when you start asking questions about them. Yeah. And it turns out we have a lot of people in the company who work in healthcare and, you know, wives and husbands and, and daughters and sons and mothers and fathers and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and, and uh, it, it, that has been something that has been a real revelation to me over the course of these last uh, you know, nine weeks. Uh, and you, you know that we as a company have, have tried really hard to support the extended Amphenol family right. with, with the masks and other PPE. And so I'm glad to hear that your daughter, Chelsea, is still doing really well, as you told me. Yes, that, thank you. To hear. Um, look. Amphenol, we are around the world, more than 100 operations, 123 to be exact. And if there's one thing that I have learned over these nine weeks, it has just reinforced how flexible and resilient and powerful our management teams are around the world. It it just blows me away. It really just blows me away. I mean, here are folks dealing in just the most unprecedented of times with the highest degree of uncertainty. And, and by the way, coupled with sometimes the highest sense of urgency, customers who need product um, for really critical things, you know, making ventilators or military weaponry or data centers so that you and I can still do these nice Zoom calls. Right. And, and the combination of keeping the safety and the well-being of our employees in the forefront of their minds, which all of our people have done such a great job of, managing their own personal misgivings and unease, which all of us have it. I'll be the first to admit it. I, every time I walk out of my door, if I go to the grocery store, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Like it, it's, yeah. it sucks. Like it's just not a, a time where you feel 
an equilibrium like right. we used to feel. And, and then knowing as well that there are customers who need our product desperately with like a different sense of purpose, like being able to balance all of that stuff, I have been amazed at how our team has done it. Just amazed. And, you know, I could list 123 people and tell you each and every one of them how great they've done here as our, our general managers, the group executives. But I would just say in totality and with universal success across the board, people have done a, a job here that amazes me, impresses me and makes me proud. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. One of the fortunate things about being able to do this podcast is having to talk to, getting the opportunity to talk to a lot of those leaders that you're talking about. And to a person, that's, you know, you can feel the, you know, the, the emotion of all of this. You can feel how how this has really tested their leadership skills. Uh, just the, the other day, talking to Raul Gomez from Amphenol yeah. Mexicali. Yeah who runs the I mean, ICC Raul, facilities there. Um, you know, he's saying he lost sleep for days because of having to go through what he went through. Yeah, I, I could not be more impressed myself either. It's just been an amazing time to see people really shine in some of the most dire situations that we've ever faced as a company. I mean, Raul is a great example, Chris. We didn't, and he didn't sign up for this. <laughs> right. That's right. right. Yeah. Like, I remember when Raul joined Amphenol, you know, he, he was this superstar guy. We were so lucky to get him to join into our company. He even moved his family from Monterey, Mexico, up to Mexicali. He, he's just a wonderful guy and a, a real heartfelt individual. But he didn't sign up for this. Right. Like, none of us signed up to run a company in a pandemic. And let alone to run a company in a pandemic in an environment where the federal government of Mexico is saying one thing, the mm. state government saying another thing, the local cities saying a third thing, right, right. the local industry association saying a fourth thing, the health department saying one thing. I mean, poor Raul, he's sitting there and there is not one ounce of clarity. And when you have that fog, and it's kind of a fog of war, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you've been in the military, you know that thought of what the fog of war is in that fog is when leadership matters the most. And right. Raul is just a, just a fabulous example of an Amphenolian just in a fog, stepping up and making the right decisions that ultimately are protective of our team, protective of our customers, protective of our custom of our company. And, you know, I, I know I spoke to him at that time. And I think when I talked to him, he hadn't slept in two, three days, it felt like. I mean, but he still had that energy and enthusiasm. And he was, you know, he, he was just making it happen. And, and that's an he's an amazing example. Yeah, he, he absolutely is. And it was, a, it was a pleasure to talk to him and hear his story. And, you know, I'm glad we got to share that with people. I'm going to back up just a little bit in the initial or the first conversation that you and I had about this back in early April, we talked about how you clearly knew the day, I think it was January 23rd or 24th. 23rd. When, yeah, when they shut down the city of Wuhan in China and you knew, wow, this is going to really be a big deal. And it took, you know, probably another few weeks for it to really start to hit Europe. And then, you know, in mid-March before it hit the U.S. and North America. But with that, 
I don't want to call it head start, but let's just for the sake of this discussion, call it the head start that China has had on this and how you've had to deal with that in the facilities there. How much has that helped you up to this point with the facilities and the businesses in Europe and then in North America, knowing what they went through and how they've recovered? I mean, look, it's been our secret weapon here, Chris. You know, when I look at the performance of the company over the course of these recent months and you know, look, we're, we're like 100 and I don't know, 110, 115 days into when, when January 23rd happened. And our team in China, and I, we talked about this at the last podcast, I mean, they, they were just extraordinary right. in how they reacted, the speed with which they reacted, the comprehensive approach that they took, and also the ingenuity that mm-hmm. sprung out of that environment. I mean, 50 factories in China, 50 different management teams, each doing what they knew had to get done to protect their people and thereby to allow the companies to reopen and to operate. And, you know, the fact that by, by the beginning of March, our entire team was back to work, actually more than we finished the quarter with even more people at work in China than we had before Chinese New Year. That became for us a real template. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to our head of HR, Dave Silverman, our head of HR in Asia, Ewen Zhang, who made sure that what we learned in China did not just sort of stay there. Mm-hmm. We proliferated, and Dave has just done such an amazing job of taking the lessons from China, communicating that around the world. In, in, you know, these wonderful new communications that we have like Amphenol Frontline and otherwise, and, and a regular drumbeat of sharing with people the experiences that our team had. And, and others in China, I mean, have done such a wonderful job of that. You know, Gary On put together this great presentation for the, for the team right, in right. his group about this. I think you, you interviewed Gary at one mm-hmm. point as well. And going through that really condensed time period in China. It was three weeks you know, from January 23rd till February 10th. And in that time period, you had to figure out how you're going to open your business and the government was going to audit it. You know, it was a right. really strict approach. The team figured that out in that time period and it was successful and thereby allowed us to share that knowledge around the world. And that has been a real advantage for Amphenol. I have talked to many other people running companies who didn't have that advantage mm-hmm. and they had to start from scratch and they had to start from scratch in an environment of ambiguity, right. as opposed to in China, there was some clarity to what you needed to do. And then you had to adapt it locally, which our team did such a great job of, but there's so many other companies who are starting from scratch now. Right. I mean, think about it. There are States like New York and Connecticut where, you know, the sort of next step of opening the States is happening next week. And they're really starting from scratch in many respects. And we got such a leg up on this because of our team in China. One of the other things, too, that's come out of it, not only from from China, but also just from the rest of us having to deal with maybe working remotely, working from home, not being in our facilities nearly as much, has been the implementation of a lot of new tools that we have not previously used and maybe sporadically we'd use from time to time but things like what you and I are on right now which is a zoom call and things like um, you know not to give endorsements but you know other collaborative 
tools like Microsoft Teams and so on and so forth. And, and also talking to, uh, which hasn't aired yet, but Albert Chen, who's a field applications engineer for the ICC group, and how he has been involved with a lot more of the online chatting with customers and how it's yeah. opened up a whole new world that you know he was, I don't want to say unaware of, but it's just made him look at his job and how they can do business with these opportunities so much differently now. What do you think about that? How, do, how have you felt about seeing these new tools and thinking that, wow, this is really going to be a part of our future for a long time to come, even when we go back to some semblance of normalcy? So look, uh, it's amazing. It's just amazing to see how technology has enabled our company to continue to operate and, you know, the way Amphenol runs is different from many companies. You know, Chris, we're not a company that is reliant on a heavy structure, a matrix organization, mm -hmm. all those sort of typical corporate uh, structures that, that make companies work. We, we don't have central systems and all those sort of things. Right. We operate on the basis of people, interacting with people. And that, that's the essence of Amphenol. It's, it's a group of people who have certain clear responsibility who then interact with each other in a way that ultimately makes the sum, the, the sum of the parts greater, or the whole greater than the sum of its parts. And losing that ability to interact in a rich fashion was something I was really worried about right. on day one. Oh, I'm sure. And, and I, you will remember, Chris, because you played a role in this. You know, I had never heard of Zoom except mm -hmm. I'd seen an ad in an airport. I didn't even know what it was. And then when we decided to cancel our worldwide meeting, and I said, well, look, you know, this is such a rare opportunity, this worldwide meeting. I hate to not get the time to interact with our people. Then we started looking at how could we possibly do this in a virtual fashion by a webcast. Right. And you were very involved and integral in helping me think about that and ultimately executing on it. And that's when we came to know this company, Zoom. And in fact, you know, someone from our headquarters, Lily Mao, who is one of our top and most experienced HR people, turns out she was like high school friends with the founder of Zoom. And, <laughs> I didn't um, know that. Yeah. and so she put me in touch with this guy from Zoom and I talked to him and I said, hey, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do this webcast. And here's where the, the real value that you allude to. We normally have a worldwide meeting with about 180 people who come. And I, I feel terrible that I have to limit it to 180 people. I'd love to invite 10,000 people, mm -hmm. but you just can't. It, right. You can't find a venue. It loses the, the, pers the personal touch of it. So, so I have to limit that every year. And, and so I said, you know what? If I'm not going to have an in-person worldwide meeting, I'm going to open it up. Right. So that everybody in the company can have access to that. And that's what I talked to Eric about. I said, look, I want to do a webcast and I want to have it for 5,000 people or 10,000 people, however many we can muster up here. Mm -hmm. you know, let me know if that's going to work and how can it work? And you know very well the final product. It was a wonderful experience. We, right. we did have some people in person back when you could have a few people in a room. <laughs> right. and, and ultimately, we were able to touch so many more people than we normally would do in our worldwide meetings. So we, we took a, a kind of a bad situation, which is that I had to cancel this very precious gathering of our management team. And we turned it, and with your help and many others, we turned that into something totally new, innovative, 
and differently impactful and more broadly impactful. Right. And I think that's a great allegory for how we're using technology. And you mentioned Albert. You know, you, you when you introduce Albert next time, you should always introduce him as one of the smartest people I have ever met, Albert Chen. <laughs> that's that's what I say. When I describe Albert Chen, it's always this. Here is Albert Chen. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met. And because Albert is just an off the charts genius. Wow. High and, praise. And, and uh, yeah, very high praise, but worthy of it. And I, when you see a guy of his competency and value to customers being able to essentially replicate himself by using technology, touching 10 times as many customers as he ever did before when he would actually get in his car or get on a plane. Right and schedule a meeting and sit in the lobby. I mean, I tell you, Albert does more now using these new technologies in the time that he used to probably sit in customer lobbies waiting to meet with customers. Exactly, yes. And, and, and I think about myself, I spend in a typical year 600 hours on an airplane and probably another three, 400 hours in airports. Mm -hmm. That's a thousand hours in a year. Yeah. And boy, do I miss traveling right now. I'll tell you, I miss going into factories. I miss the smell of our factories. I miss seeing our people shaking their hands, walking on the factory floor, you know, getting myself in trouble when I touch the wrong machine, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But I resolved to myself early on, I've got a thousand hours that I didn't have before. What am I going to do with those thousand hours? Mm -hmm. And technology allows you to do a lot with the, that extra, those extra hours. And you know, Albert's a great example, but I've heard so many of our engineers now taking advantage of you know forums like you know, and it's not just Zoom. You know, there's Microsoft Teams, there's Google right. Hangouts, there's there's all these there's so many different mechanisms of of having a visually interactive interaction with with a customer or or with a partner or whomever, and and I think it's just it, it's just wonderful. And and so to to your long term question. I think we are going to change. Mm -hmm. We have already changed on an interim basis. We are learning a lot about our own potential that can be enabled through technology that we are not going to forget about and we're not going to give up in the future. Now, does that mean I'm going to travel less and not go to as many factories? No, I'm still going to go visit a bunch of our factories. Right, right. But maybe it means that while I'm in an airport on my way to go visit a factory, I'll be visiting a customer from the airport lounge. Mm -hmm. That can happen now. Sure. I mean, it, 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 it's just exceptional. And, and I think we're scratching the surface of it. And, and what I believe is that our eyes have been opened to the potential of some of these new technologies. And we're just scratching the surface of what can come in the future. I mean, I imagine a, a day, Chris, where an engineer can sit at his or her desk with a sample on a Zoom call mm -hmm. with a customer who has a 3D printer attached to that customer's computer. And our engineer can show the model on the Zoom, push a button, and the 3D printer will make the model on the desk of the customer. And they have just handed each other a sample. Right, which right. Then the customer can play with. That's all that technology exists today. Right. But I'm not talking about Star Wars or Star Trek <laughs> and, you know, phasers and, 
that that machine that that made the people you know teleport from place to place right i'm talking about stuff that exists today that you could do that as we speak i, I agree we just haven't thought to do it. yeah no and and i think this this opens a lot of people's eyes and and not to get grandiose with this too but as you know our motto being enabling the electronics revolution we actually play a part in this it's not like we're just benefiting from the result of other people's work we're whether we realize it or not as a company we're involved in a lot of it um you know in in allowing these technologies to work to our benefit we we play a small role in that i and look i would take issue with the word small I think we play, we play a very a, significant role yeah, there we go. in enabling yeah. this. And, you know, I have always used that term, enabling the electronics revolution. We see it in our faces right now. I mean, you and I right now are living a revolution. Right. And it would not work this call that we're on, but for Amphenol's high-speed connectors that no doubt are in the data center. I mean, I know for a fact, Zoom, the way they host this system, mm -hmm. It, it, up until recently, it's on Amazon Web Services using all products from us. It's moving to Oracle using all products from us. Right. So, I mean, it, it's not theoretical and it's not trivial what we do to help enable these technologies. It's very significant. Jump to a, a different point. You mentioned something earlier that made me think about this. You talked about being in the fog of war. Um, and not signing up for this uh, if you're a leader because you don't you don't expect this to happen and and talking about the fog of war with relation to the military with the military just to use them as an example being being now I, you know I can say a part of that years in years past you do so many drills and preparations for being in that situation it's not always going to be perfectly suited to that. Uh, whatever the the situation may be, but you're always training, you're always doing drills, you're doing fire drills, you're doing security drills, you're doing whatever. We never have really done anything like that for Amphenol when it comes to a crisis of this magnitude. But has it made you reconsider maybe planning or having some sort of a contingency plan, not for everything that you can possibly conjure up in your mind as far as a medical emergency like this, but has it made you and the company rethink how we would uh, set up procedures for something like this in the future? So first, I, I would tell you, we had actually, and we still have a pandemic response plan inside of Amphenol. We have very extensive disaster recovery plans. And, you know, you've lived through some of the disasters mm -hmm. like floods yeah. that we've been through. Yeah. Um, so, so there's no question that, you know, there are binders sitting on shelves that we review and that we regularly update that say, all right, in the event of this, here's what we do. Okay. A cyber attack. Right. Here's what we do. Yes, there was something for a pandemic. What, here's what we do. What do you do in the event of a fire? Here's what you do. Those are nice. And I'm not going to belittle them because people work very hard on them. And there's no doubt about it. It's critical to have that planning. At the end of the day, though, I think what has made our company so able to react as we have is not what's written on a page, what's exercised through a, a drill or something like that, 
but it is what is integral to the culture of the company. And that's the agility, the amphenolian, as I call it, right. agility of the company. Our people are just uniquely able to react to stuff that you just couldn't imagine. Because the thing is, it's not the stuff that you can conjure up, that, which you can plan for. That's not what's going to get you. Mm-hmm. What's going to get you is the stuff you never think about. That's right. Right. You know, once once it happens, you know, are we going to have another pandemic in our lifetimes? I, I certainly hope not, but you yeah. know, maybe. I, I really hope not, actually. But it, <laughs> it's, it kind of stinks. Yeah. Um, but probably not. But will there be another crisis? That's a certainty. Mm-hmm. I think that's a certainty. And what's the nature of that crisis going to be? Will it be predictable in how it evolves? Will it be predictable in what the impacts are going to be of that crisis? I think that the very simple, straightforward answer is no, it's not going to be predictable. So, so if, if, and, and once you come to that realization that, yes, I will prepare as much as I can, but there are just certain things that are unpredictable, mm-hmm. then you get back to what can I do to equip us regardless? Right. What right. is it about our way of operating? What is it about the people? that we attract and retain and develop inside of Amphenol that ultimately allows us to not have to be correct in predicting what the next crisis will be, but to be ready regardless. And, and I think when I, when I look back on these you know, 110 or so days since January 23rd, I never would have predicted this pandemic. I never would have. It wasn't in my it wasn't in my sort of frame of reference. And I've seen Contagion and I've watched Outbreak <laughs> and all these things. Right. And I am legend and right. you know, all these apocalyptic movies. I have a 16-year-old daughter who can only watch horror movies and apocalyptic movies. <laughs> and as a good father, I have to sit by her side cringing yeah. and watching these things. But did I think this was really going to happen? I mean, this was the stuff of oh, movies. No. Right. This was not, this, if you had asked me five months ago, four months ago, Three and a half months ago, mm-hmm. hey, you know, what do you think the odds are that we're going to have a pandemic that's going to completely disrupt everything we do? I would have said those are pretty low odds, Chris. Right, right. You know, I'm not. It's not even. I wouldn't even know what odds to give it to be so low. Yet, we were effectively ready for it. And isn't that kind of the magic of this company? It, it, it is. It is amazing. And and when I talk to customers when I talk to outsiders, when I talk to shareholders, through the course of this last 100 plus days, the feedback I have consistently gotten is, you guys seem more ready than others for this, for what we're all dealing with. More on top of it, more quickly doing the things that need to get done. Right. You know, how, how were you so ready? And it's not that we had a crystal ball. We just had an unbelievable team of people who are just adaptable, agile, and that, you know, I call them Amphenolians with such pride. Just time to go to work. <laughs> go make it happen. Yeah. You remember that term? I go do. Make it yeah. yeah. Time to go make it work. Because we're now at, you know, say the nine week point or so, um, at least here in, in North America. One of the fears now, and not fears, but just one of the natural occurrences for people being in this type of environment for so long is that you start to get complacent. You start to let your guard down a little bit. Can you just talk a little bit about 
the importance of remaining vigilant and not letting up and keeping the pedal to the metal as far as doing the right things in our factories, in our homes, as we continue on this journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look, Chris, I am worried. I think the next month is a very critical month. Mm -hmm. And I say that because number one, you know, people are going stir crazy and I'm exhibit A <laughs> of going stir crazy. Exhibit I mean, B, yes. And yes. you're exhibit B. Right. And if we ask everybody in the company and you get them in a moment of honesty, you're going a little bit nuts. Right. And there's nothing I want more than to go to the office. There's nothing I want more than to do kind of just the rhythm of life, go to a restaurant, you know, meet a buddy at a bar and sit at the corner of a bar and just chat over a glass of wine or whatever. I mean, those are the things we would all really love to have those simple pleasures. The fact is, is over the next month, that pent up desire for normalcy is going to accelerate. I feel it myself in the diligence and discipline that I exercise when I go to the grocery store and you know, I'm really neurotic. I spray all my groceries with alcohol spray and, mm -hmm. you know, I wear gloves and masks. And, you know, the other day uh, I, I, I was coming out of the grocery store. I'm like, yeah, you know what? It's, it's worked okay so far. It's such a hassle to do this stuff. Maybe I just won't spray my groceries today. And then I caught myself. I'm like, you know what? That's just not the right approach. Mm -hmm. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep it up because the communities that we operate in, they very well may start to have a worsening trend. As people relax, the social distancing measures and all of that, th that may very well happen. And I tell you, on my watch, we're not going to let it happen inside of Ampanel. And so there's no question that the measures that we're taking in our factories, first and foremost, and you know, I hope you were able to watch this video I, I, I made, which was very low production quality, but it was meant to be that because it was featuring yeah. what I call the heroes of Amphenol, our no, factory. Yeah. These are the people that we owe the most enormous gratitude to for their continued work during the course of this crisis, their dedication, their, their loyalty, their perseverance. But we also owe them that duty of keeping them safe. Right. And we cannot relax on that. We cannot relax. And, and I, you know, I can't tell you when is the end going to be for this, where we can all say, all right, it's done. It's in history. That's going to be one day. I don't know when it's going to be. And it's certainly not May. And it's certainly not June. And it's certainly not July of this year. Mm -hmm. So we got to keep the sort of proverbial boot on the neck of this virus, meaning that all those measures that we've taken, we have to keep them up, meaning that the discipline that our people are, are exercising in their personal lives. They got to keep it up. Right, right. You don't want to get this virus. You just don't want to get it. Like, when, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who've had it. It ain't fun. It's dangerous. It can be deadly. Mm -hmm. We don't even know what the long-term effects of this virus are. It's so much unknown. And it is incumbent on us as a corporation. It's incumbent on us as a, a family, the Amphenol family, to keep doing our utmost to make sure that our people stay safe. And by the way, many of the communities where we operate, we're one of the biggest impacts on those communities. Exactly. And so we can, in doing that, 
we play a marvelous role in also protecting the communities at large where our families live and work and go to church and go to the grocery store and, you know, one day go back to school. <laughs> and, and so it, it's, it's not just us selfishly trying to keep Amphenol, you know, strong and financially stable. This is a real thing with the people, the communities that they operate in and, and with society in general. And I think we have to play that role very strongly. And so, you're going to hear me, you're going to hear Dave, you're going to hear Rick Schneider, and we're, going to, we're just going to keep the pedal to the metal here on, on enhancing, not relaxing, mm-hmm. how we are protecting our people around the world. No, I think it's, a, it's such a vital message at this point because you're absolutely right. It's that, you, know, you, can, you start to get frustrated and you don't want to allow that to cloud your judgment and, and relax on some of these measures that while prohibitive to a certain standpoint, we cannot let that affect us from making sure we protect ourselves, protect our fellow coworkers, protect our family members, com- protect other people in our communities. Yeah, we just have to keep doing it. We do. And, and I think we have to keep innovating mm-hmm. on that front. And to me, some of the best innovations and ideas have come actually from our people who are, are going through this every day. Right. You know, the, the people who are every day going into our factories, like we want to hear from them. Like what, what else should we be doing or what differently should we be doing? Yeah. Because we're in this for the long haul. I think we should all just be prepared that we're in this for the long haul. I don't know how long long is, but I think it's long. Right. And, you know, until one day there's a vaccine or there's good treatments or there's whatever, herd immunity or all these various things you hear people talk about, we're in this and we're not going to take our boot off the neck of this virus. Well, Adam, I really do appreciate you taking the time to speak to everyone about this and give an update from from your standpoint. Um, I'll let you get back to the rest of the business of the corporation here uh, for the rest of the day. But again, I, I really appreciate it. And I know everyone else appreciates it, appreciates it as well. And hopefully we can do this again, um, you know, in another month or, or so. Um, I, you know, at some point I'd like to do this back in your office again and not I, on the Zoom calls, but but we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there, Chris. And, and let me tell you, I, I just appreciate so much the work that you are doing together with, you know, this task force that we have really helping the communication. Communication was not always something that I was, you know, the state of the art in here. And we talked earlier about the communication tools that we have now. And I'm so proud of how the company has really accelerated our internal communication mm-hmm. at a time when we can't touch each other, when we can't meet each other in purpose, in, in person. And, you know, you've played an enormous role in that, Chris, and, and I truly appreciate it. And, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't express my appreciation to all of our people around the world right now. You know, this, we, like we said, this is nine weeks now. I'm sitting in my living room here holding Zoom calls and, and trying to run the company as best as I can here in this environment. But ultimately the company has been so successful because of those individuals around the world, each of whom is doing their part to make our people safe, to keep our customers secure in what they need and to keep Amphenol strong and healthy for the future. And I will just tell you, we are stronger than ever before. You know, going through so far this crisis, this has not 
taken the company back one iota. In mm-hmm. fact, I think we have moved forward and we've moved forward because of all the things that you and I have talked about here. And I'm so grateful for that and, and grateful for the part that you have played in that, Chris. And, you know, the last thing I would just leave with everybody is, you know, we talk so much about health mm-hmm. and physical health. Let's not forget also about our mental health. Right. And, right. you know, this is not an easy thing for people to talk about, but it's a very important thing for all of us to recognize. This is a stressful time. It's an uncertain time. We're all going a little crazy sitting in our four walls, some of us, and or, or going to the factories and putting masks on and getting our temperature checked. There's so much unease about this. Take time, everybody, for yourself. Make sure that you really you know, are, are, are finding a way to exercise yourself mentally, emotionally, as well as you do so physically. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this individually. We're going to get through this as a team and we're going to get through this as a company. And I assure you, one day we're going to look back on this. And while we will regret and mourn some of the tragedies, and there have been tragedies, you know, we as a company have now lost two people to, to this terrible virus. We will mourn those tragedies and regret them. But we will also look back on this time period, I believe, as one of the most formative times, the most strengthening times that the company has ever felt. And I think we will say this was a crisis unlike any other. And this was a company, unlike any other, who made it through that crisis in a way that is so special. And for that, I think we'll look back on that with gratitude and satisfaction and an optimism for the future that infuses me and hopefully infuses everybody. It's going to be a really great future for this company.